Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. This personal finance feature is brought to you by IG Markets. IG Markets South Africa is an authorized financial services provider. CFD losses can exceed your deposits. We're joined then, of course, by Warren Ingram, personal financial advisor and executive director at Galileo Capital, joining us this evening. Uh, good evening to you then, Warren. I hope you're very well. Let's just start things off then with uh, perhaps a, a look at asset swaps. I mean, how, how are things faring here? It's an interesting time, Arabile, with uh, with these because uh, you know a lot of people who have money in uh, in living annuities, endowments, and tax free savings accounts are finding themselves um, in a position where the the provider of these products is telling them that they're not allowed to get as much of the money as um, you know exposed to international markets as they would like. So so just you know a little bit of background. You know, a living annuity, for example, is not re- uh, um, controlled by Regulation 28, which, which um, you know, is the is the regulations that control the rest of retirement funds, and and so that that means that normally a living annuity can have you know anything from 100% of its money in South Africa to 100% invested overseas, mm-hmm. but at the moment uh, there are quite a lot of the very big product providers, especially those that are investment companies, you know, unit trust companies. Where they're limiting the amount that uh, that living annuities can actually allocate to offshore markets, and and so all of a sudden, you know, we, on the money show, we're getting lots of questions now from people saying, "Hang on, you know, what's going on? Is this new regulation? You know, is this the government? You know, the dreaded government? Are they interfering? Are yeah. they reversing exchange controls or something?" Um, and and lots of conspiracy theories abound. And so, just you know, very quickly, th- th- that's not the case at all. What what's happening at the moment is that. Uh, the, the, these companies have a limit um, as as life assurance companies because uh, your, your retirement funds are actually um, you know fall under the life assurance act as well and especially the living annuities and and they are they're allowed to invest a maximum of forty percent of their total money in international markets so so when they when they have too much money invested in international markets they are forced by the regulators to take action to make sure that 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 you know that, that balance gets restored again. And so that's what's happening now is it's just these these investment companies are are doing their best now to 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 let that situation normalize by by restricting how much uh, living annuities can then invest overseas and and unfortunately tax free savings fall into that category as well for these investment companies. So there's mm-hmm. no conspiracy theory, no change in regulation. It's something that's happened a few times in the in the last decade or two so so not something to be to be too concerned about when when uh, market trends continue you'll find that that situation reverses again yeah. so so no unfortunately no conspiracy theories nothing to get excited about just normal market moves yeah i was actually about to even touch on on those tax free savings accounts i mean with them falling in the same category do you think fears around this this sort of just halts investments into it or you know do people sort of become more rational and sort of ask the question and then realize okay well we're still good to go here well, well i guess Arabile, that's your and my job is to help them get rational yeah and stop you know stop the fear because it's just simple fear mongering and it's really not se- sensible at all you, you know in in truth if you've got a you know an investment that's in a tax-free that that it buys the, the the you know the top companies in south africa the top 40 top 50 companies a heck of a lot of those businesses earn, um, you know, a big chunk of their money in, in the global markets, not just in, in South Africa. So you've got really good rand hedging and, and diversification already. So, you know, so, I mean, you know, a really bad decision would be to stop investing in your tax free altogether. 
because you know that's really a huge engine of growth for 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 a lot of people for their long term savings. So my view is, you know, if you've got a limit, you know, if your product provider says, sorry, you know, you, we, we're, we're limiting your capacity, then, then you've got two choices, you know, in, invest in, in a South African equity uh, index instead, or, um, you know, look for a different product provider that doesn't have the same restrictions. But, but the choice not to make, the decision not to make is to stop investing in your tax free. I'm, I'm, you know, I just think that's, an, that's a no-brainer decision. You just don't do that. Yeah, and, and, and many people are bound to sort of get a sense that, oh, maybe you know what, they might not be able to, uh, or maybe they look at this and go, oh my goodness, it's, it's just not it for them, uh, and, and won't necessarily, uh, be the investment platform they look to, uh, in a while or so. So, yeah, I think that space is certainly going to be interesting, one to certainly touch on, uh, and look towards as well. But our, our primary feature or primary look today, retirement planning, that seems to be taking a beating. And I mean, one would have even thought from COVID-19 that was already difficult enough because people may have even been looking to withdraw or draw from their savings. And now um, it, it's, it's still the same case, right? Nothing has really changed by the seams of it. It just feels like it's more of the same. Still taking a beating. Difficult to plan for that retirement. 100% right, Arabila. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you, um, you know, with the sound of generators all around me. Uh, with my neighbors, so, you know, because we're in load shedding and, and that's just not helping at all either. And I think that that's, you know, that, that, that's just contributing to, to an already dire situation. Uh, and I think for people that are, that are in this position where, you know, they're, they're, let's say a few, you know, a few years to a decade or so from, from retirement, you know, they're really panicking because that, you know, they're looking at their retirement age. It's, it's now rushing at them at an accelerating rate. It feels like. And, and suddenly they just know that, you know, their the, the savings aren't enough. The capital that they have got invested has probably taken a bit of a knock as well. Uh, and, and so they start to feel somewhat hopeless. And I think that that's really the message for tonight is just to understand that you've got so many different levers to pull when, when you're, when you're planning your retirement, you know, and, and, and it's never hopeless. You know, I think that, you know, that's a, a critical message here. One of the real benefits of, of investing is if you give yourself time, you know, time becomes your hugest and, and, and by far your biggest ally in, in, in your investment career. And, and so in a situation like this, you know, if, if, if the world and, you know, COVID and pandemics and, bla- and blackouts and all of those things have given you a knock, then just understand that you might need to just delay your retirement plan somewhat. You know, so if you were planning to retire at 65 and you're currently 55 and, and you just know that your goal's just been moved out of it, you know, you, you can always make some decisions. So, for, for example, you know, t- t- take the decision to, to perhaps work at, you know, at, uh, two or three years longer. But, but don't treat that as kind of a prison sentence where you say, gee, I really hate my job. And, and now, now this guy on the radio is telling me I've got to work for an extra two or three years. And, you know, <laughs> I, I couldn't see, see that happening. You, you know, you can, you can make some changes. For, for example, you know, at age 65, you know, choose choose a different path, choose a different career where, where perhaps you say, you know, if you were used to earning 50,000 rand a month, you know, go and choose something that gives you a lot more purpose where, where your skills are still going to be valued, but perhaps you're only earning 20,000 rand a month. Uh, you know, that, that might feel like a big drop in, in terms of income, but but remember what you're doing is you're actually buying time. You're You're not trying to earn the most amount of money possible because every year that you're earning additional income past your planned retirement age means that you're not drawing on your investments and you're managing to actually either save a bit or, or just not, you know, not, not spend capital. And, and so it, it almost has a double effect. So, you, you know, so using a 20,000 rand example, 
it's not just the 20,000 Rand that you're earning, it's the 20,000 Rand you're not drawing from your investments. So, so you could actually view that as a 40,000 Rand swing. And then going back to my example, if you were earning 50,000 Rand at retirement, you know, 40,000 Rand swing is not such a big difference between the, you know, what you were earning and what you're saving. And, and if you're finding purpose in your work and you're finding enjoyment in something that's less stressed, uh, but, but more purposeful, that, that, that gives a huge benefit to life, you know, in, in, in fact. And I'm, I mean, this isn't a motivational talk, but, but, but the reality is when we stop work, that doesn't mean life stops, you know. So, so if we can find a way to earn some money, which is good for our retirement planning and get some enjoyment and get some purpose, you know, to me, that sounds like a triple win. And, and so, you know, I'm not trying to put lipstick on the bulldog. You know, it's, it's tough when your retirement planning takes a knock. But, but don't look at this as a situation where you have no choice and, and, and kind of a prison sentence of working in a job that you really hate. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think the other thing there is just be careful to, to kind of change your risks of your investments because you've taken a knock. You know, I think one of the things that really worries me is, you know, people suddenly go, hang on, I don't have enough retirement uh, capital now. I don't, don't have enough time. I'm going to increase the risk of, of my retirement savings already and take more risk than I really should because I need to catch up on, on lost capital. And that's a really catastrophic decision because if you're increasing the, the, the potential growth of your money, which sounds really exciting, what you need to remember is you're also inc increasing the potential losses at a time when you probably can't afford to let them recover. So, so unfortunately, the one thing you really can't do is, you know, is add steroids to your investment portfolio and think, you know, now I'm going to just take, you know, even more, risk for, for more growth because, you know, the, the risk is the part you should be focusing on. You need to protect your capital and give it time to grow. And that means, you know, make some changes, but, but not necessarily to your investments. Sure. Yeah. I think that's, that's very interesting uh, notion here to don't take on more risk than you feel like you need to now taking steroids to your risk on this one. Warren, we'll continue this conversation in just a moment. Then we're still having our personal finance feature with Warren Ingram, personal financial advisor and executive director at Galileo Capital. The Money Show. Personal finance with Warren Ingram. Still on to our personal finance feature then. We're talking about retirement planning and how that was taking a beating. Warren Ingram, personal financial advisor and executive director at Galileo Capital, having joined us then as well as usual. Um, Warren, we also had a question then from uh, a Flores van Veek, I think it was, right? Yeah. So let's get into that one then. The question, uh, kind of just looking at good day. Uh, I have a newborn son and would like to know, in your opinion, what is the best type and place to start an investment for him, but does not have a lot of tax implications for the parents. Um, I mean, that, that gets very interesting. And I suppose that's one thing everybody would want to know. Absolutely. And it's amazing how, um, you know, how few, uh, you know, parents think about this. Yeah. I know, I know they've got a lot on their plate when their, when their baby's born and, and that's a huge adjustment to life. But, you know, this is something that, that I would suggest parents start thinking about before the, the, the baby's born so that it's taken care of when, when the time gets busy. But, but, but I think that maybe just to point out that parents can open um, accounts in the name of their children already. You know, so, so when, when the baby's born, and it's got an ID number, parents are already able to open an account for the child. And, and they just need to sign on behalf of that child and take, you know, take authority or take control of the, the investments until the, the, the child becomes an adult. And, and so for the child um, and for the parent, there's, there are not many tax implications for, for parents starting a normal investment. You know, let's just say kind of a basic exchange traded fund or, you know, a normal unit trust. 
there's nothing wrong and nothing stopping a parent starting that already in the child's name. But but I would take Floris's point if she started an investment in in her own name for her child, because then one day when she decided to give that money to her child, she might end up having to pay capital gains tax when, when that investment was sold or donations tax if she transferred it. So, so definitely nothing stops you opening an account in, in the name of your baby. And, and I think also the second thing to note is I love tax-free savings accounts for, for, for newborns, you know, to, to start uh, saving for them as early as possible in a, in a tax-free in their own name is, is to me a brilliant idea because tax-free savings accounts, the more money you leave in there for, for the longest period possible, you know that it's growing without any tax. It's not paying income tax. It's not paying dividends tax or capital gains tax. And so, you know, if, if, the, if the newborn can leave it until the age of 25 or 30 years old, that, that'll probably buy them their house cash. And I think that that's an incredible gift to, 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 to give a child. So, so my, my general sense always is to try and open a tax-free. But, you know, if, if the parents, you know, already have filled up a tax-free for their child or want to do something else, you know, then it just a, a kind of a, you know, standard unit trust or exchange-shaded fund is a great idea. Just make sure you, you take something that's got high potential growth, you know, so something that's got a lot of exposure to shares, you know, not, a, not a bank account or a fixed deposit, which is really limiting your growth. Some questions may be towards even, you know, whether you should, you should be picking something like an education trust even as well as, you know, as you, as the baby is born to ensure that when they get to a particular stage in their uh, education that they're able to, to kind of, you know, start. Would, would that be a thing? Yeah, I know that the product providers love to sell these, you know, so they always package it. And I know it pulls on the heartstrings of, of parents where they say, you know, this is an education policy for your child. Uh, but, but just to understand that when you scrape off the paint and you look at what's actually underneath the, the bonnet of, of that product, it's basically a, an endowment, uh, almost inevitably. And, and those things to me, they've got a huge advantage if you're a maximum, you know, taxpayer. So if you pay income tax at, you know, at 45% or, or even one bracket below at 40% and you pay capital gains tax, you know, at, at a, at a rate of effectively 18%. But it's important to understand that an endowment itself pays income tax at 30%. So, so for most of us in South Africa, you know, a lot of, a lot of our people in our country don't pay, you know, income tax at that rate. And so it's actually much more effective for them to, to rather save the money just in a, in a straight unit trust. Even though the product's called an education, you know, fund or an education policy, just understand, you know, it's just an endowment policy with a nice lick of paint and a, and a, and a you know, like a heartstring pulling marketing gimmick. And, and I don't like them for that reason. And we don't even get me started on the fees, Arabile, because oh. those are usually quite high as well. Yeah. So no, I, I'm, I'm not a fan, to be honest. Yeah, so picking kind of the right thing here is also going to need quite a bit of research then on our part, right? It's if you're looking to get into something like that, looking for a package for sustain. And obviously, the best time to start saving, people always say, is the moment you're born. And if you can't do it for yourself, hopefully your parents are doing it for you. So this this is certainly a good move. This is a a, a move and a step in the right direction, really. It's brilliant. I mean, I just love the idea. You know, I think, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that, you, you know, that you have to save thousands of rands a month for your child. You know, if you, if you can just start, you know, 50 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month every month for, for you know, 18 years, it, it turns out to be a lot of money, especially when that money is, is, is starting to grow in itself, you know, and, and where your money makes money babies, you know, the compound effect of that is just really powerful. So, so you're right, Arabila. I think just, you know, just getting started with any amount you can and just trying to be consistent by, by building on that, you know, month after month after month 
it has a huge impact over time. Yeah, always has and always will. That that one foundational rule always remains. All right, let's get into our phrase of the week then, Warren. Opportunity cost. What's that? Yeah, you know, it's something that we, we, we tend to lose sight of in the investment world. And a lot of the time, you know, when someone says, gee, I really want... Uh, you know, I want a really safe investment. You know, I don't want to, I hate to lose money in my, um, on my investment portfolio. So I don't want to invest in shares. D- d- just to understand that your, your, your decision that you're making is, is, is actually, there's a lot going on because let's say if you, if you're saying I want something safe. So you go and, and buy, you know, a five year fixed deposit at a bank and, and they, they, you know, give you a wonderful interest rate of 7%. I'm being sarcastic, of course, but, but 7% a year for the next five years. Uh, you know, the, the, the thing that you, that, that you need to consider there is what would a stock market investment, you know, just a, a straightforward general equity unit trust or a, you know, top 40, top 50, um, you know, index, what, what would that do? And, and the likelihood is that over five years, you know, a, a, a share index give, gives you kind of 10 to 12% a year over five years. So, you know, you, you've bought certainty by buying the fixed deposit and getting your 7% a year. But, but the opportunity cost is the lost growth that, that you could have got from, from, from investing in the stock market over the same time frame. And truthfully, you know, when you're avoiding risk, just understand that you know, when you invest in shares, any stock market around the world, it's very rare that a stock market loses value over five years. Now, it might lose value over one year or two years, but if you leave the money invested for five years, there are very, very few times where, where your investment has gone down uh, from the starting point. So, so the opportunity cost is the lost growth that you could have you, you could have got from investing. Yeah, and I think it's a thing we don't think about a lot. Warren Ingram, appreciate it. Always good having this personal finance feature with you. I think a lot of learnings always come out of it, and really appreciate uh, you giving if, if that help as well to all the listeners. Warren Ingram, personal financial advisor and executive director at Galileo Capital. For our personal finance feature, retirement planning and the like, all a part of the conversation.